Wastelanders, vault dwellers. This week, we are digging into the ghouls of Fallout 1. Last week, we talked about the Brotherhood in Fallout 1, and I'm going to continue this month digging into some of the topics and features of Fallout 1 that many of us may not be particularly familiar with. In Fallout 1, one of the things that I'm constantly interested in or constantly surprised by maybe some of the time is the the number of ideas and features of the game that survive relatively unchanged all the way up until Fallout 76. Uh, for example, the design of, say, the T-51 power armor is relatively the same. It has the same broad uh, design cues, let's say. Obviously, it's been redesigned by different artists and used in different game engines and those kinds of things. But for the most part, it's you recognize it. You would look at a character in, you know, Fallout 76 wearing basic T-51 power armor and you would look at the power armor in Fallout 1 and you'd say, yeah, those are those are supposed to be the same thing. The ghouls are interesting, too, because for the most part, they survive intact. The idea that you have a creature that exists and it's a human, but it's no longer a human. It's a ghoul that exists because of some combination of radiation and exposure to genetic mutation either by maybe the fev virus or who knows radiation affecting the dna there's always a lot of speculation around that and i'm not going to get into the details of that in this episode we already talked about ghouls in the ghoul episode but this idea that they for the most part stay the same or the representation of them stays the same from fallout one all the way up until the most recent games is interesting to me now there are some little differences the the engine in fallout one the game engine is pretty limited and what i mean by that is the isometric view the low resolution of the game itself means that if you were to even zoom in on, say, a character walking around in the environment, any character at all, it's it's hard to see specific details. A human looks like a human. A ghoul looks like a ghoul. A super mutant looks like a super mutant, but they're highly pixelated and very small. So you can't tell, for example, the extent to which the ghoul's skin has deteriorated. It's... It really, they just look like a thin human on the screen with some funny different colors for their skin, right? But we do get zoom-in views of some of the characters, some of these uh, headshots, like the talking heads when, when you actually talk to certain characters. And there's one particular character in Fallout 1 that we get kind of a close-up on. This is Set. Now, Set lives in the Necropolis and if you remember the episode about Vault 12, the Necropolis is the ghoul city that is above where Vault 12 is. It is completely inhabited by ghouls. It is the place that the ghouls have gone in order to basically stake their claim in the world and have a place where they can fit in because they don't seem to fit in anywhere else. That's another one of those themes that's pretty similar to most of the other games. This idea that the ghouls are always outsiders, especially when it comes to human settlements and treated differently. 
there are some other details about Necropolis that I'll get to in a little bit, but let's get back to this this headshot. And I, I want you to go look this up. Look up Set the Ghoul, and I'll share this on the Twitter account. He is absolutely deteriorated to a level that they don't design the ghouls anymore. <laughs> so if you look at, and there's there's an article that lists this out on the fandom.com wiki article and you can see in the ghouls article that they have screenshots from they have set from fallout one they have a ghoul from fallout three fallout new vegas uh fallout four and there's kind of a cleaning up that happens a lot of you probably know this already if you look at set he's missing an eye his skin has now been drawn over it over where the eye would have been in what are wrinkles or fleshy patches uh he's wearing some sort of weird metallic crown with what looks like a uh <laughs> like a trumpet like a little piece that sticks in his ear to help him hear better maybe like one of those old-timey things that you know like a gentleman would put up to his ear when it was hard of hearing to be able to hear better um but then you, you look at his face and a lot of the skin around his mouth is missing his nose is gone what's left of his nose is the what you know the piece that looks like it's part of your skull now a lot of that stuff is kind of similar his eye the his left eye the, the one on the right if you're looking at him is uh, bulbous. It's as if the flesh around the eye, the um, you know, the eyelid and the the rest of that extra flesh is kind of missing. So it's almost just an eye sitting in the skull socket itself. It probably gets really itchy and dried out. And here's what I find the most interesting about this. And and I wish we had a character model of his entire body, but you can see where the head ends at the neck, and then the top of the torso and the shoulders, just a little bit of that area of the body. And that part looks different. It looks different than the ghouls that we see in other games. Specifically, there are stretches of skin that seem to attach to from like the neck down to the, the body that appear to have holes and gaping pieces missing. And it's a little bit hard to tell because again, the resolution of this isn't very high, but at least it's not one of the in-game models. And below that, you can see what looks like some of the muscle of say the chest appearing just underneath a metallic shoulder piece. Um, but some of that's in shadow. So it's a little bit hard to tell. If you look at the other shoulder, it is not shaped like a flesh covered shoulder. It is shaped more like a bone or, or skin that is adhered directly to the bone. So this type of ghoul is way more deteriorated and looks a lot more like a walking zombie than some of the ghouls that we get in say something like fallout four. If you look at ghouls in fallout four in comparison, the the way that they've designed the body and the textures of the body make it look like the the body is whole. There aren't gaping holes, but the skin is deteriorated and kind of just flattened to the shape of what's left of the bones and the muscle. It, there, you can clearly clearly tell that things are missing, like the ears are gone, that the nose 
is gone. There are what appear to be holes in the flesh, but it is not nearly as gruesome. It looks more like a character that has aged an extremely long time. If you haven't seen the most recent pictures of Prince Charles and the meme that goes around of him being a ghoul, do yourselves a favor, go look it up. Uh, I feel I feel sorry for the guy. I don't know him personally, but um, he hasn't aged very well the last uh, few years, I guess you could say. He looks a lot more like what I would imagine a Fallout 4 ghoul to look like, if that makes sense. Go, go look. This idea of like discolored skin, uh, very thin skin adhering very closely to the skull, those kinds of things. But, but yeah, ghouls don't look the same as they do in Fallout 1. Fallout 3 is interesting as well because many of the ghouls look more discolored. Uh, there are ghouls who their skin is transparent almost or they have sections of skin completely missing and you can see the musculature underneath the skin they they appear more worn in those games now this may have been a design decision to make them a little bit less disgusting um in order for us to attach to them as characters that you know we use as companions and those kinds of things but who knows maybe maybe this is just something that has naturally occurred because of the way the engines work or the artists and who knows. Um, but I want to throw that out there because we know that the ghouls themselves happen because of irradiation. They live these extremely long lives. Who knows? Maybe some of them live forever and it has something to do with the effects of the DNA in their bodies and the fact that somehow the Ghoul DNA, the mutated DNA, is able to replicate and repair itself from radiation. And we also know that some of the ghouls change slowly over time due to background radiation or radiation in the environments where they live. The ghouls of Fallout 1 come from Vault 12. They come from, they, they live in the necropolis and they were irradiated over time due to that vault door not being completely closed. And we also know that Fallout 1 takes place nearly 100 years after the Great War, and that many of these ghouls are the same people who went into the vaults before the war. So what if, what if something about the mutation of the DNA allowed them to live longer, and their appearance isn't based so much on the radiation taking hold as it is on severe old age. What if that's part of it too? And it, this is something that for some reason hasn't really occurred to me before. I always perceived ghouls mostly as this, this idea that their bodies were damaged. And in the case of something like a nuclear bomb going off and then being close to, you know, the, the center of where the bomb goes off the radiation that, that happens very quickly. The skin gets burned off. The radiation is very high. They ghoulify almost instantly. But in many cases, ghouls or ghoulification happens over a very long period of time. So maybe there's something about the, the human DNA in certain parts of their body wearing out or the body no longer repairing those parts or the body just aging over time and the structure that is left are the parts that have taken 
to the ghoul DNA. Just an idea out there. And I, I, I guess I said earlier in the episode, I wasn't going to go too into that, but it's just something I want to throw out there because it's a perspective on this that I hadn't considered before. And I didn't bring up in specifically the ghoul episode that I did before. Of course, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. If you guys have any ideas of how that works, um, send me a note on Twitter or let's discuss it on the discord. So let's talk about Necropolis itself. It is a location that looks like a motel. When you come across it in the game, there are some ghouls wandering around outside. Now, you could come across it in the game too late. There's 110 days, I believe, from the start of the game for you to come across that location and have it be inhabited by living ghouls. If you take too long, if you spend too much time at, say, the hub, leveling your character, going on these side quests and things, and you come at, come to it after 110 days, then the ghouls will have been killed and there will be super mutants there. This is related to story bits and connections with Set and the Master and things going on with that part of the storyline. And you have to remember, in Fallout 1, there are very specific time frame elements to how things occur. This is the way a lot of those games back then were designed. And what's interesting about that is if you only did one playthrough and you got one situation, then you would assume that that's just the way it works for everybody. But had you waited 110 days to get there and found that there were no living ghouls there and then talked to your friend who showed up there 90 days in, you would have very different experiences. The other thing that happens is once you do set foot in Necropolis, and that means even just opening the screen, if you leave and come back 30 days later, then the same thing will have happened. It sets a new timer for 30 days. So if you show up and you don't talk to everybody and don't do all the things that you need to do and then come back in 30 days, again, the super mutants will have taken over. So if you do go play this game, make sure if you want to actually meet the ghouls there and do that part of the game, do those quests and things, then when you show up, show up before 110 days, talk to them, do the quests, move on. But when you when you approach the settlements, there's a motel and there are these kinds of roving, but they're not really wandering around these groups of ghouls on the outskirts of the motel. And they are violence. If you walk up to them, you can't speak. They attack you and they're not particularly difficult. They fall apart relatively easy. Now, what's odd about this is if you go inside the motel, then the ghouls there don't attack you unless you instigate some sort of violence or you steal something too close to one of them or something like that. So these ghouls on the outside, are they security? Are they ghouls that are aware or are they feral? seems that they are more likely feral. And we've seen this before in the other games where you have ghouls living in an environment and protecting themselves with feral ghouls who live outside of the environment. This happens in Fallout 3. And it seems like a smart thing to do because the feral ghouls won't attack the non-feral ghouls. They see them as being one of them, but it definitely keeps outsiders away. So kind of a cool concept there. Another one of these things that's taken from Fallout 1 and shows up in the other games. Now, when you get into the settlements, you find out that there's a motel, there's people to talk to, ghouls to talk to in the overworld, and you can descend deeper underground through some manholes into the sewers. 
Little do you know at this point that you are actually getting closer and closer to Vault 12. You go through the sewers, you get to the Hall of the Dead, and this is where the particularly friendly ghouls live. These are the ones who just want to get along, want to find their place in the world, and don't really want to mess with anybody. And then you find out about the storyline and, and what's actually going on here. The story here is tied to Set, the leader of the ghouls, being manipulated by the master. And let's get into that a little bit before the break. It says here in the wiki that Set styles himself as leader of Necropolis, but in fact, he's a figurehead put in place by the master to keep the ghouls in line. Side note, the master, the crazy mutant guy who's basically the main protagonist in Fallout 1, if you don't recall. Um, Set hates the master but fears him more. As a result, he is frustrated and short-tempered, with a nasty tendency to lash out suddenly against any who crosses him. His speech is abrupt, harsh, and so jargon-laden, he at times is a bit difficult to understand. Set is a rude ghoul, <laughs> you rude ghoul, with one hell of a mean streak, whose colorful vocabulary consists of the extensive use of the word dirt nap and the phrase standing in my shadow. According to his son, he had a bad temper before the Great War, and ghoulification has done nothing but worsen his attitude. What's interesting here is that his son is, uh, his name is Typhon, and he shows up in Fallout 2, where you get to meet him and find out more about Set. Um, but both of them were pre-existing before the, the bombs dropped, and they both ghoulified seemingly together. It also makes sense because, as far as we know, ghouls can't reproduce those parts of their body don't work anymore or have fallen off or whatever it goes on and says in spite of set's hostile attitude his approach to running necropolis appears to be one of relative nonviolence, commanding his ghouls to attack only those who approach the city at night or who pose a significant threat even allowing the underground ghouls to live peacefully in spite of being aware of their hidden location Outsiders are permitted into Necropolis during the day, set himself while volatile, aggressive, and not against harming those who anger him, tends towards honesty and favors those who express a desire to aid him and his ghoul brethren. He is quite annoyed by the super mutants. It is possible to find a note from the lieutenant to set, ordering him to watch for pure strained humans. This shows how much he disliked them by not capturing the vault dweller. Remember, the super mutants were looking for pure humans in order to turn them into more super mutants. Now, it ends here by talking about the canon ending of the game. It says he is not mentioned in the Vault Dweller's memoirs. However, in the canon ending, the Vault Dweller did kill the super mutants, one of the things you're tasked with, which led to the slaughter of almost everyone in Necropolis, including Set himself by the Master's army. So, unfortunately, retaliation the ghouls all die. So after the quick break, we will be back to talk about some of the other potential endings for the Necropolis and a little fill in a little bit of the background for just the history of the place. I probably should have started with that, but eh, whatever. All right, be right back. All right. So everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office 
or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore to learn more. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, guys, welcome to the middle of the show. As always, thank you for listening, for leaving ratings and reviews, and for sharing the show with your friends. I hope you guys were able to check out the QuakeCon events last weekend and uh, got to see uh, the Fallout Hub up on on stage. <laughs> we were on stage, but up on the screen uh, doing our interviews and playing the uh, Fallout Family Feud game. There are extended versions of all of that stuff up on the Fallout Hub website and also uh, just released, I believe, today as I'm recording this up on the Fallout Hub uh, podcast stream. So go check those out. We have a much longer interview with the, the devs that we talked to. Um, in fact, we each were able to ask them, I think five questions each. There's they answered like 15 questions. We talked for at least an hour. The segment that they showed were only three of the questions that were asked. So go check that out. Lots of cool stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed QuakeCon as well. Also, uh, there was a documentary that came out recently and I'm going to have to link all of this stuff in the show notes. So hopefully I'll remember to do that, um, about the fallout community and Ken from Chad, a fallout 76 show and, and the fallout hub and I were featured in it along with some other community members and groups that you might be familiar with. So also go check it out. It's a really well done documentary and uh, you can see my handsome face talking on the screen. So, you know, all right, let's get back to the show. If you have any questions about Nuka world, I'd be delighted to answer them. So from the vault 12 episode, we know how that goes. The vault gets Sealed, but not sealed completely during the events of the day of the bombs dropping the Great War. Everybody rushes into the vault. They close the door, but it doesn't completely seal. Radiation floods in and the survivors who survive that are ghoulified. Now, within five years, six years, by 2083, the survivors leave the shelter and... Some of them stick around. Those are the ones that found the city of Necropolis. And it wasn't too much longer after that that Set took control. It was just a year later in 2084. Now, he wrestled control from the original overseer and basically sent him away. He didn't want to be killed, the, the, over the original overseer. So he left and traveled north and as far as we know, was lost to history. So there is a ghoul out there somewhere, probably still around, depending on which game you're playing, um, who came from before the war, who was a vault overseer of Vault 12 and is out there in the wasteland somewhere. Now, for the next 73 years, Set would lead the city 
And for the most part, it was, as it says here in the wiki, unmolested from outside parties. So they were left to themselves. Now, instead of them having problems from the outside, they had internal political strife and some more of the ghouls decided to leave. This led to the group that was taking shelter underground becoming the more peaceful group. They're the ones who actually were able to get along. That's why that group of ghouls act the way they do. Now, it says here in the wiki, despite Seth's disgust for the group, he reluctantly sent them whatever water they needed, fearful that they wouldn't have enough people to defend the city if it ever needed to be. So in his mind, the groups were separate and they distinctly are because of the locations that you find them in. Now, in February of 2162, the Vault Dweller discovers the water chip in Necropolis. This is the events of the main game, and this is where you go to find the water chip in order to repair Vault 13. And then the way the rest of it plays out is up to you. So I mentioned before, the canon ending is that the mutants attack. And there's a narrative that shows up when these things happen. So the in-game conditions are if you enter Necropolis after 110 days have passed or kill the super mutants at the watershed and enter after 30 days have passed. The narrative says the mutant attack on Necropolis spares none of the ghoulish inhabitants. After the mutant armies advance, they leave a truly dead city behind them. Of course, Necropolis means city of the dead. There are two other potential endings. Both involve you uh, getting to the city in the right amount of time and taking the water chip. Now, you either have the option of fixing their pump, this is the issue of the water they're dealing with, or not. If you don't, then the narration becomes, the ghouls of Necropolis learn firsthand the final meaning of dehydration as their city succumbs to the desert sands and the water runs out. Without their water purification control chip, they do not survive. That was my Ron Perlman. Um, <laughs> the other one, if you do fix it, is uh, partially canon, which is weird because it's mentioned by ghouls like Lenny in Gecko. And it says here, and I'll do my, other, my Ron Perlman, Perlman on this one, the ghouls of Necropolis learn how to maintain the repaired water pump and eventually discover many lost secrets of engineering. They form a business selling this technology to other towns. So how does that work? How do both of these things become canon? The mutants come and kill everybody, but maybe they don't get everyone deep underground and those ghouls still exist and then learn how to fix things and use the pump. I, I don't know. So I'm not sure which of those makes the most sense, but we definitely know that the mutant attack happened. So maybe Lenny was crazy. Maybe there's something else going on there, and we're not 100% sure about it. All right, Wastelanders, I will see you guys next time, and might have a very interesting special episode for you coming up next time. I'm trying to put something together. We'll see. See? So stay tuned for more fun stuff from the Fallout Lorecast. And until then, stay safe, moisturize your skin, and try not to become a ghoul. All right, guys. Talk to you next time. See ya. 
plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com.